All right. We're, we are recording, and I will introduce you in uh, three, two, one. Tonight, I am here with Ivan Throne, who is an author, a speaker, and an executive coach. Ivan, how are you this evening? Good. How are you doing, Tony? It's a pleasure to see you again. Great to see you also, brother. Great to see you. Give everybody in the audience that doesn't know you a quick biography. So to start off, I just had a long career as a project manager. Decided that I would be happier working for myself. Wrote a book called The Nine Laws to essentially describe my worldview, how I see things, how I operate. And it took off from there, a lot of writing, a lot of speaking. And now I end up where I'm actually coaching people and running events. It's been a fascinating journey over the last several years. Uh, The 21 Convention, the War Room of Andrew Tate, and so on, a lot of different places where I keep myself busy. Fantastic. Now, your book, The Nine Laws, Mm -hmm. you talk about the dark world. Give everybody an explanation of what the dark world is. So, so a lot of times people think I mean a dark world as in that it's painful or it's dangerous or that bad things happen in it. Those are true. Those do happen. Uh, but the point of that darkness is that it's finite. It ends. And from that standpoint, we have to operate in a universe, in a lifetime, in situations that are impermanent. There is an ending to them. And as such, it behooves us to be aware of our momentum and our trajectory along that timeline and make sure that we are appropriate, competent, coherent, and make things happen the way they need to. Now, you talk about masculinity. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Mm -hmm. What is a man? The simplest answer and the most accurate answer I can give you is that a man is someone who stands his ground according to his conscience and is willing to die there. And you know what is right. You know what you stand for. You know what your values are. What you will tolerate and what you will not. That's manhood. And it's backing it up with action. Now, we live in crazy times. Why are there so many weak men? Well, you know, C.S. Lewis said famously that we build men without justs and then expect them to act like men. And one of the great truths is that when you have a society without men, without masculinity, it's much easier to rule it and profit from it. It's that simple. The purpose of law is to ensure predictability of profit. How much more predictable is your control if men have been struck of their willingness and capacity to uphold their conscience? Systematically remove that from men, 
you collapse a culture, you collapse a nation, you collapse a civilization. That's unfortunately what we're dealing with now. Why do weak men give up so easily? If you make men weak, it's easier to rule them. So systematically strip manhood from them. Sometimes it's external factors. If you look at what happened during the First and Second World War, most of the fighting men with spirit died. They were left over with, I won't use the word drugs, but you are left with those who stayed home. Today, our educational systems our social culture, all of that is designed to remove dignity, honor, justice, power, and strength from men. The ideal man today, according to popular culture, is one that can be trodden upon without consequence. I reject that. Now you say without consequence. Expand on that a little for us. Let's take a look at the election today. What's the consequence of stealing an election? None. They will lie blatantly to your face about what is happening with the coronavirus. And there's no consequence. You have an entire society for over a generation now that has been designed, designed to be compliant, passive, weak, and unworthy of respect. Therefore, they are not respected. They are weak. And those who rule have absolutely no fear of them at all. As men, what is our duty as a man? It's going to be different for all of us. Your first duty is going to be to your conscience. What is acceptable? What is not? In these interesting times we live in right now, I know a lot of people that will be listening to us having this discussion may feel very helpless. You know, Claire Wolf many, many years ago said that America's at that awkward stage where it's too late to work within the system, but it's too soon to shoot the bastards. We're still in that awkward stage. And I think one of the things that's happened is that there has been a deliberate weakening and watering down of that American spirit to make that awkward stage indefinite because no one will pull a trigger at this point. People like to talk about the Battle of Athens in, I think, 1947 when people surrounded the courthouse where the ballots were being counted. That's not going to happen again. The fighting spirit has been destroyed in the American male for the most part. It's unfortunate, but it is also something that we cannot unsee. 
Now, we see people rioting in the streets. We see looting. Why is no one standing up to this? For the same purposes, it's been made too expensive to step forward on your own and uphold civic dignity and civic purpose. We've been conditioned to believe that it is the job of the experts, the ones that are trained for this. And the common man has been progressively shut out of participation in culture as part of the source of power of the nation. We are the people. That does not apply anymore. Most of them are weak. All you have to do is take a look in your local Walmart to see the natural fiber of our people degraded and destroyed. This is deliberate. This is ongoing. Do you think our government has caused the weakness of men? Not as a, now this is my opinion, not as a specific public or private government policy. It is the natural tendency of those who seek power to structure their work so that their power is maintained. It is convenient to rule. Ruling comes with conveniences. And those things stack on top of each other. And this is not even really a right or a left to Charlemagne. This is how human beings operate. That desire for power, that desire for ease and comfort at the expense of others is normal. We have transformed, speaking of America, as a nation from one of moral virtues to one of degeneracy. And that slow turning up of the pot to boil the frog has been very successful. 30 years ago, the idea of transvestites and demon costumes reading sexual books to children in our public libraries would have been ridiculous. Today, you're a hateful bigot if you have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. What's happened to the country? This is not the question of perhaps a middle-aged man who's disgruntled, the, the kids are dancing. It's not that kind of a thing. We've gone way, way past this. The very idea, the very idea of citizens standing up against mobs is called violent bigotry at this point. You have a 17-year-old in Wisconsin chased by people trying to kill him. He protects his life. He's castigated as a murderer. When we all know that those people out there rioting have no intention of seeking justice for their fellow citizens. It's not about the oppression of minorities that are simply about naked power, about the ideology of force, and seeing how far they can go. Realistically, how do you 
oppose that without drawing the attention of the state upon yourself. You can't. And they know that. And they count on it. So it continues to spiral. There is a mathematical precision in this. It's impressive. It's being done very thoughtfully and very carefully and very effectively. And at this point, from a cultural standpoint, I cannot say that the left is not winning. Is there strength in numbers? It's strength that comes from abandoning conscience and the willingness to do evil. The ends justify the means. That is the entire ethos of the left. Now, I think we're in a battle with good and evil. I think that's the battle. Yes, I agree. What is necessary for the triumph of evil? For good men to do nothing. If men no longer can do anything because they have been rendered weak, it does not matter if they are good or not anymore. Evil is unopposed. What we are facing is not merely a moral failure of opposition to evil, but is also an incapacity to stand against it that has been very carefully, very deliberately, very methodically struck from the fiber of the people. Now, when somebody's protecting their storefront, they have been pictured and posed as the bad guy. Why is that? Do you want peasants to revolt or do you want them to comply? Simple question. Put yourself in the shoes of the ruler. I don't want my peasants revolting. I don't want them questioning my power. I don't want them thinking about whether I am right or correct. I want them to simply obey and pay their taxes and work my fields. And not trouble me with the ideas. Shut up, go back to work. When I speak from time to time of this return of feudalism, that's partly how it looks. There are those who rule and those who are ruled. Don't think to jump that, that gap. Don't think that you are able to rise to our realm. That's part of that attitude. What is the attitude the politicians in Washington have towards the rest of the United States? 
Are they represent, representatives of the citizens, of their fellow citizens, or are they the rulers of the unwashed? Sure, you're going to have degrees of this attitude. It's not black and white. They're not all that way or not that way. But for the most part, we're going to find difference of degree and of kind. And truth be told, that's not entirely their individual fault as well. The entire culture has moved that way. I unfortunately do not have a happy answer for you. Other than what will change this, there are certain things that are guaranteed to change the direction of a calcifying society. First is war. The other is revolution. China's delighted to wait for war with us. I don't know that anyone in the United States has the stomach for revolution. So we squabble, we spit, we claw, and we fight, and we curse, and we play stupid games here until we're worn out and frustrated. I'm taking advantage of. It's a story as old as time. The difficult part and the frustrating part is that seeing it does not mean you have the ability to stop it. Now, I'm not saying that the result is a foregone conclusion. It's not. But it's very probable. And as a man, my first responsibility is to my loved ones, my family. You can make the argument at this point in terms of my country, what's left of it. And certainly not the country you and I grew up in. The values that you and I were raised to believe are now cursed. The truths that we held as self-evident on our mark. What is left for men like us? For our children growing into this kind of environment. What comes in the next generation? What will be left of the cohesion of the American spirit. What do you think happened to our American spirit? H- have we had it too? There was so much death in the First and Second World Wars, so much atrocity and suffering and destruction. Everybody needed to put a lead on across the entire world. We ended up with the Cold War. That didn't stop the war, that just chilled it. And I don't think that even the smartest Soviets back then had any idea of the success they'd have with destroying our culture from within. 
they had an open door to push against. And I need to spend time going into the boomers and uh, narcissistic selfishness. That's certainly part of it. You can't lay it all at the feet of that one generation. But it's a perfect storm. And all the empires collapse. What was it that held Rome together? For centuries and centuries and centuries. What was it? The cruelty of Caesar and his willingness to rule. Held things together. We don't have that here. Everybody is playing the game of trying to live with all the unspoken and spoken rules, the new morass of social cues. What you can say, what you can't say, what's politically correct, what's allowed, what's not, what's phobic, what isn't. To the point where words are even meaningless anymore. What's there to say at this point? What good does it do for a man to speak his mind when even words are meaningless anymore? What's left? The disgruntled turn away and they wait for war or for revolution. That's also how it works. It's unfortunate, very sad, and very tragic. But it is what it is. Now, I'm not black telling them. It's certainly possible for recounts and court processes for the election issues to be resolved. It doesn't change the slide of our culture towards that final destination. One election is not enough. One president is not enough. Find any period in history where a self Emulating orgy of stupidity and degeneracy ever reversed itself before collapse. Where well, culture went, maybe this isn't a good idea, and turned itself around. Give me an example. I'm a student of history and I can't think of one. So what does that mean for men today? Better have your priorities straight. No one is coming to save you. That's powerful right there. No one is coming to save you. No one is coming. You and your power are the only thing your loved ones have to depend upon. So what happened then when men of like values, aligned purpose, complementary capacities, decide to form ranks, 
than the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And we have again the building blocks and foundation of culture, civilization, community. That just takes a restructure. And it looks like, for better or for worse, we're going to get that opportunity. Tony, does the American nation, as it is now, feel sustainable to you? Not at all. Doesn't to me either. So what happens next? What always happens next? It gets worse. Until what? Until somebody decides to kick it over. Are we at that kickover stage? I really don't think so yet. I don't see Donald Trump calling for war, civil war. I don't see that. Will it take that? Probably eventually. Maybe not right now. Men don't reconcile with each other when they've given up trying to see each other's point of view. Well, the things I'll talk about in the nine laws is that when this talking stops is when the shooting starts. Nobody's interested in talking to each other anymore. Now, the other night you had That's mentioned not, the steam not. needed to be let off when we talked. You had said the steam needs to be let out. Mm-hmm. Do you think a civil war, and what would be the version of a civil war in the United States? Civil war is not something that that takes place the way most people think of it. You're not going to have troops lining up on a field. You're probably not even going to have a clear idea of who the various players are. Mm Mm-hmm. In a civil war, it's almost impossible to prevent your ideological differences from boiling down to economic differences and people taking advantage of it all the way down to that guy's doing business on my corner, we're going to push him out under the guise of civil war. It all blends in. What I do see is that the United States is so intertwined in terms of everything from our food supplies to our services. You're not going to find a secession or separation happening. I don't see that taking place. I don't see the federal government permitting that. And I have the power to enforce that. However, Giving some thought that through today and the other day, it would be very interesting to see if a shadow state could be set up. The left made a great deal out of this whole resist hashtag, right? Mm-hmm. What if you take that a step further? Revolt. What civil disobedience? Because what you have to do is to strike, is to find the balance between impeding the state and drawing the attention of the state. Do you understand the difference there? Yeah. To obstruct without being 
identified as an issue because the Leviathan will crush you. I think it remains to be seen how it will play out. It will be fun to watch, especially to see where... Um, so, for example, one of the things that came out today was the left has already begun saying they need to track down everyone who supported Trump while he was in office. Did you see that, the enemies list? Yeah. That kind of thing is also common, and that's an unwise step to take. Right now, to cement its victory, what I would be proposing to the left is to continue to almost stop talking about things and just let despair creep in and not give someone a reason to be angry. Let them feel defeat. Don't spark them up with ideas of resistance. Don't give them something to hang their hat on. There is no question that the initiative is now with the left. That has shifted. They were better prepared. They were more willing. And they don't care about the rules. What else would possibly have happened? If men with rifles start breaking into polling centers and pulling them out, then maybe we'll see a difference. But that's not going to happen, I don't think. There is not enough initiative for another battle of Athens. The emasculation has gone too far. Who wants to be the first? Let somebody else. That whole conversation you and I had in Orlando about when does a man step up? Mm -hmm. When is that enough? No, that stops here now. Today. Doing that means and doing that successfully means not only putting your whole self and your whole life at risk, but potentially plunging the entire nation into conflict. Who wants to do that? Some of us do. Some of us would welcome that. But you have to have that balance. Are you prepared to throw away everything you've built your whole life for the one moment? That's also the cost of doing business. That's been invaded and imposed. Why won't the average man react? We talked about that that night, and it was a situation that I had. And I felt it was inherent in me mm -hmm. to react. Okay. Tony, can you still hear me? I can hear you. I just can't see you. I think my camera's cut out. So the question is why the average man doesn't react. 
very similarly, that has been bred out of him. That has been, he has been decultured as a man. Who am I to say that something should not be done? A man, goddammit, that's what. That's who. But people don't think that way any longer. Think of the very word, manly. If you were to use that word to describe somebody, he is manly. That's become archaic. And it's not used any longer. It almost sounds hokey or cliched to use that word. But it's a very powerful word. Manhood has been ridiculed. Manliness has been mocked. Because ultimately the character of a man is one who is willing to stand his ground and say, not today, Satan. Horatius at the bridge, that is the quality of manhood. Caesar crossing the Rubicon, the die is cast. Alexander cutting the knot. The prerogative of man is to decide fate. How dangerous, therefore, it is to have men with chess in a land where you would rule. Only a fool would permit the existence of men who might challenge him if he wished to be the ruler. An ugly perspective, is it not? Unfortunately, that is also sometimes how this world works. And what is the antidote to this? The antidote to this is precisely what's been murdered. Culture. Conscience. Character. Nobility. Dignity. All of these things that connect the human spirit to the divine, two things that are greater than our own tawdry desires and wants. When you murder those things, you turn everyone to Charles. And you build Walmarts, you stock them with Charles. And you end up with cuties on Netflix. And more and more and more of them until a man is overwhelmed and can't stand it anymore and leaves or gives up or ultimately despairs. And despair is the greatest victory of the double, isn't it? 
all comes back to your conscience. What are you willing to accept? What are you willing to do? What will you tolerate and what will you not? Ivan, let's see if we can get you back on the camera. Let's give that a try. I'm going to drop and hop back at him. Okay. Okay, there you are. Hi, the person you're about to speak with has call captions turned on. They'll see captions of what you say to help them listen along. Okay, we got you back. Now, you were talking about prerogative, so continue on that. Mm-hmm. So, if you think about how you got from your sense of your conscience to the, the progression of that, from your conscience to your sense of duty to your purpose. As individual human beings, we have free will. The decision to take action or not take action, the decision to turn toward or away from what is good, what is beautiful and true, to turn and forge or away from the divine. That's all, that's our ultimate prerogative. As you listen to your conscience, a still small voice between you and the divine, and you know inside what is rightful to do or not do, your free will again comes into play on your actions in the world. The prerogative to make the choice to act one way or the other, to act or not act, is what ultimately determines how things unfold in the world, the impact of fate. As men, that's our duty, is to be the ones who bring fate into being. That is our purpose. What's the alternative? A purposeless life? You take men today or what passes for men today. What is your purpose? Why are you here? What are you driven to achieve in this life? What impact do you have on the civilizations of men? Well, I play Call of Duty a lot. Probably what you're going to get. Look, we have generation after generation indoctrinated in the idea that to be powerful, to be successful, strong, and admired is bad. You're a narcissist. You're grandiose. If you look at great men through history who changed the world forever, all of them have that quality. 
today that's being brought out of men deliberately. Because men are more useful as economic assets than they are as producers of art and literature and those things that take appreciation of the sacred. Now, so now the question becomes, what do men do today? If you're one of these men who find yourself despairing at the death of culture and civilization around you, two things you can do. One, go back, pill. Despair, which I don't recommend. Why would you despair? The other is to fight, even if it's only by keeping that alive for another generation. Another moment. Maybe that moment's tomorrow. Maybe it doesn't come in our lifetime. But I believe very firmly that that spirit of manhood, that masculine power is beautiful and valuable in its own right. For its own sake. It may not be wanted right now, but it will be needed even more in the future. Because our age, we have a responsibility to make sure it does not die out. The 21 convention, you saw a young man there. Mm -hmm. We carry that standard. They see it. They depend on us to teach them and show them. That is where our duty comes in. Whereas some men do not leave their brothers behind. Not the young ones either. You read my mind because I was going to say, has it been bred out of us? They're doing their best to breed it out, but you know what? Go out there. We've met them, we've seen them, we've talked to them. The men I work with, the men you work with, the men Anthony gathers, the men that Andrew Tate gathers, they're there. And our signal to noise ratio gets better and better. Because as our illusions over what's needed and what's coming, dissipate, it becomes easier and easier to spot the one that will work with us. Assessing character becomes simpler in wartime, doesn't it? So as that trend accelerates, take heart in your ability to spot allies. Well, maybe that's one of our silver linings. One of the excuses people use is that this is not the way it's done in a civilized world. I've heard that repeated and repeated. That's not civilized. That's an excuse for weakness, isn't it? That's what it sounds like to me. It is uncivilized to permit evil to win. 
because you can't be fucking bothered to stop it. Civilization is not always what it's cracked up to be. Civilization can turn negative just like anything else can. Take a look at what passes for entertainment today. Take a look at what passes for film and arts and entertainment. All of it. Music. When I talk about degeneracy, I'm not talking about art or music or literature that is in opposition to specific values. It's when it, celeb it, when it celebrates the destruction of dignity, when it makes truth relative, then you start to have the rot around the edges. I was talking with some of my team members today about a situation one of our clients is facing. And it's two words that I use. I had them look it up. Certain types of conduct exude the word exude is important. Exudes excrescence. And you see it and you can feel the foulness of it. The use of language to attack people. Probably the most overused word today. It's either racist or Nazi. Right? Yeah. It's become absolutely meaningless. That's an excrescence, a malignant growth on the language that comes from foul purpose. The purpose is not to identify and warn against extremist behavior. The purpose is to silence the outrage of the human heart. Hey, that's wrong, Nazi. Wait, that's not right. Dig it. It does not stop, Tony. It doesn't reverse. Not through words. It either continues and it gains momentum and you end up with Cambodia. It's the same mindset. You end up with the gulags. You end up with people emaciated and starving. You end up naked at the edge of a ditch. That's where it always leads. It's just that time again. It's been put off and put off and put off and put off. Eventually, the lid blows. That's where we're at. Which is, going to, which is going to lead me to my final question. When is violence necessary? 
When you've had enough, that's always the answer, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When you've had enough. And for some, that line, that boundary is drawn sooner, for some it's drawn later. But when you've had enough, difficult to tell when people have had enough. Sometimes it's just a moment that captures the imagination of the crowd. Or turns up from a crowd into a mob. It's hard to say. I don't believe in precipitating that moment. I consider that unwise. But that moment will come. Until men have had enough, men will continue to be prodded and provoked, corralled and shackled. And they either have enough spirit remaining to make the decision they've had enough, or they don't. And the jury is out on most of us right now. Now, there's a few words that are unique to you. One of them, and I'm sure there's quite a few people that have never heard this word, and that is a churl. Tell everybody what a churl is. A churl. Okay. So a churl is an obstreperous, ill-mannered, aggressively rude peasant who believes that stridency and noise are indicative of his rising above his class, which he does not. An ill-mannered, belligerent peasant is a troll. We are surrounded by trolls today. How public schools produce Charles. That is how it is designed now. I'm going to ask you a final question. How can a man, somebody that's weak, how can you teach them to bring that masculine energy out of them? And can it be taught to all men? Do all men have it in them? It would be polite to say that, sure, every man has the sun. The harsh reality that not all do. Not everyone is equal. That is objectively observable. 
and the real world. However, there is one thing inside every man, and that's his nature as a man, which is made in the image of the divine. Not about noses and beards, physical appearance. It's about our ability as human beings to see a future that does not exist and create it through force of our intention, our will, our vow, and our action. And every man has that ability. It may just be a dim flame and maybe a roaring fire. But their nature as human beings enables them to at least approach the divine. And that would be my recommendation to them. Where do you start that? Turn into your conscience. Learn to see clearly. Learn to see through the lies of men. It takes work. It hurts. And it's worth it. Wow. Ivan, in the world we live in now, we talked about men being weak. We talked about a dark world. Now, this isn't negative. I think some people will find this bothersome and a negative talk. But to me and to you, it's reality. It's truth. What, what kind of hope can you give to somebody now? Mm. Here's, here's the important thing to remember, Tony. What gives us appreciation for things is the transient nature of them. Tell your parents you love them. They won't be here forever. Mm. Hug your children. They will grow up and leave eventually. The challenges, the terrors, and the horrors of the day are still an opportunity for us as men to shine. Huh? What? How do you have a hero without challenge? What good is a knight without a dragon to slay? Mm-hmm. So at a time when the entire world is on fire, civilizations are overthrown, values are out the window, Everything appears to be in the hands of evil, triumphant. What better time to be a man than to take all of it on in a holy war of sacred purpose? You want challenge? I would say now is probably the best time you could imagine. Really? I mean, I'm excited. You can hear it in my voice. I'm delighted to be alive right now. Because it's not boring, Tony. This is the most exciting time. The most incredible opportunities ever to exist on Earth. 
So I think people can take their black pill and stuff that down its face. Because there's never been a better time than right now. Ivan, I have enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure so mm. many men will get a lot out of this. And I think any women listening to this also should pull a lot of information out of this conversation with you. How can everybody find you, reach you? Best places, ivanthrong.com. Just go to the website, take a look. We've got some very exciting stuff that's coming. My team and I have been working the last couple of days around the clock at this Airbnb. Everybody's in from out of town. We've got a couple of guys in from overseas. We've been very busy pulling a lot of stuff together for everyone. So I encourage them to come and check it out. Okay. Sounds great. Ivan, I appreciate your time tonight. As always, brother, it's always a pleasure. I enjoy talking with you and I could talk to you for our hours. Mm. So let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. And you have a great evening. You with too, your friend, and I appreciate you, brother. And I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. Much love, honor, and respect, my friend. Same to you. Mm-hmm. We're still on. Still there?